let me get started with today. We continue this marriage series called The Vow. And uh, let me say that as we begin this series last week, you know, we wanted to make sure you understood this isn't just for married people, okay? There's a lot of you in here who may be single and you're thinking about marriage in the future. This series is for you, too, as you plan for what that future may look like. Last week, as we began the series, our senior pastor, Jerry, he talked about the vow of priority. And he said, hey, part of the problem that we have with our marriage is our priorities are wrong. He talked about how it's important that our number one priority is God and that our second priority is our spouse. And those other things that we think are priorities are not really that important when it comes to our marriage. And so we need to focus on God and focus on the person we're married to. This week, I'm going to talk about the vow of pursuit, the vow of pursuit. Now, we're great at pursuing things, right? We're great at pursuing a job, a career, an income level, a home, a car. But one of the things we've done pretty well is we pursue people. Isn't that what dating is? Dating is all about a pursuit. And and we do some pretty crazy things when it comes to dating because we're pursuing the right person we think in our life. You know, guys, think about it just for a moment. You'll go to movies you would never watch any other time because of that lady. You're pursuing her, right? You will talk on the phone. You will listen on the phone (laughs) for hours. Why? You're pursuing her. You'll listen to her breathe. You don't even care. You're like, this is the best moment ever. You don't like going shopping. She says, hey, I want to go shopping. Guess what you end up doing, guys? You go shopping. Why? Because you're pursuing her. And ladies, it's not any different for you. You will listen to the same sports story over and over and over again. The one time he did something pretty amazing when he was 12 years old. You'll listen to it. It changes every year. It gets worse and worse, and he's like the greatest athlete ever. But you'll listen to it because you're pursuing that guy. Or ladies, you'll go to a sporting event. Maybe you hate sports. You despise them. He's like, hey, I got two tickets to the game. Sure, that sounds great. I'd love to go do that. And you'll go do that with him. And maybe even today, guys, you or ladies, your, your potential boyfriend or potential spouse will talk about how amazing he is at coding. He's like, let me just tell you about this code that I'm putting together for the software company I work for. And you're like, you are the biggest nerd I've ever met, but I love you and I'm pursuing you. Just tell me, tell me about all those lines of code that you have put together. I mean, we will do whatever it takes to pursue a spouse. Here's what's interesting. We pursue that person. We marry them. And it's pretty good at the beginning, right? It's fun. And then time begins to pass. You've been married 3, 5, 10, 12 years. You moved. Some of you in the military, you've moved 22 times in three years. You have kids maybe in the picture. Your schedules are busy. Your job, your career, all these different things are happening. And then one morning you wake up and you roll over in your bed and you look at the person who's laying beside you and you think, I used to have fun with you. We used to hang out. We used to, to laugh together. And now I don't know if I love you anymore. That's what happens in a lot of marriages. How do we get to that place? Well, I think part of it is because we've forgotten how to pursue our spouse. Last week, Jerry talked about or gave us some statistics that are very sobering. Dr. Holly Hine is a researcher. And she said that 76% of, or 70% of men and 60% of women have had an emotional or physical affair with another person. Every 10 to 13 seconds, a couple divorces. Think about that. Every 10 to 13 seconds, a couple divorces. And 50% of marriages will never make it to the 15th anniversary. What gets us to that place? Part of it is our priorities are wrong. 
And secondly, I think we have forgotten how to pursue our spouse. In fact, we neglect our marriage. Think about your bodies for a moment. It'd be great if you could wake up every morning and you could have donuts all day long. It'd be great if you could have ice cream for breakfast and lunch and dinner. It would be awesome if we could do that, right? And what if you didn't have to exercise? You never had to do any exercise. You didn't have to brush your teeth. You didn't have to take a shower. I mean, I know that sounds like a lot of our kids. That's kind of the way our kids are. But, but wouldn't it be amazing if that's the way our bodies worked? And then we could go to the beach or we could go to the pool. We could take our shirt off. and We got a six-pack ab. What do you do to do that? I eat sugar all day and don't exercise, don't bathe, don't brush my teeth. Look at this. This is incredible. It's not the way it works. We can't neglect our bodies. We know we have to pursue a healthy body. When it comes to marriage, we can't neglect it. We have to pursue our spouse. And this morning, we're going to focus on what that pursuit looks like. Now, to help us today, we want to make fun of some people and laugh at them, okay? So we've invited three couples to come up and be a part of this. I'm going to invite our couples to come up here. You guys, bring your sheets, bring your pens with you. Come on up here. Make sure if you like your spouse, you sit beside them. That would be really cool. Just grab a seat. The first group was not as, oof, wow. Yeah, it's bright up here. All right, so let me introduce these couples real quick. We have Ray and Brandy Stiff. You guys have been married how long? 22, almost 23. Is he right? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. It's usually the other way around. I'm pretty impressed, actually. Though. 23 in May. 23 in May. There we go. All right, we got Terrence and Chanel Reese. Almost 13 years. Is that right? Close, all right. We got Jim and Karen Pruitt. How many years? 44 in June. 44 in June. So the first service, it was like two years, 11 months, six years. So, I mean, they were all newbies. We got some experience up here today, okay? So here's what I did. Um, I told them, I said, hey, we're going to make fun of you today. We got a little game we're going to play. Now, some of you are thinking, it's just a newlywed game. They're going to say something. No, they're not, no crazy stuff today. It's just G-rated, okay? But I gave them three questions that they had to answer, and uh, they didn't know these questions beforehand, so they wrote down the answers. We're going to see how well they know each other, all right? So the first one, actually, all of you can hold up number one. The first question is this. Where was your first date? Hold up number one. Where was your first date? The Fugitive and El Chico's movie, The Fugitive. All right, we'll give you credit for that. Audubon Zoo, is that right? Did I say that right? Audubon Zoo, nice. That's, you know, that's different. I like that. Over here, Claire Dried in Florence, Italy. For Wednesday, that's the same. It's Italian food. Oh, of course, yeah. Right. <laughs> it's supposed to be easy for all of us. We'll kind of give you credit for that. All right. All right, you guys did pretty good on your first date. That's, that's actually pretty good. All right, we're going to we're start here with the stiffs. Here's the next question we had. You can see it on the screen here. Next question is, what is your spouse's favorite restaurant? Okay? So, here we go. You ready? What, what is your wife's favorite restaurant? Go right now. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. Sorry. Do you know sometimes this game's confusing for me? It's your game. I do this. What'd you say, Mexican? Just hold that up for a second. And he's right. That is right. That is exactly right. All right. What did you write down for him? Chick-fil-A. Was that right? I'm sorry. Chick-fil-A. Okay, we'll do that. If it wasn't, he wouldn't Yeah. These guys are cheap, man. I like this. First, it was first service. It was places I've never heard of. <laughs> All right. So, Terrence, what is your spouse's favorite restaurant? Would that be correct? Crab cakes. You like crab cakes? Oceanair. Okay, we'll give you credit for that one. All right. So, um, 
What is, I'm backwards here, aren't I? What is your favorite restaurant? Mike's. Mike's American Grill. Here we go. All right. There we go. All right. Karen, what is your favorite restaurant? Mine? No, what is your husband's favorite? I did well first service, I promise. I'm just out of it. What is it? Oh, you guys like the same restaurant. And guess where that is, people? Paris, France, right? <laughs> you can't do French in the next one because I don't have any French written down. Here we go. Number three, which one of the following best show your spouse you love them? A, washing dishes. B, buying them jewelry, game tickets, handwritten card, watching a movie together, or A, kiss. Okay? Those are the three. There's the five things we put there. And there's a connection here a little bit later. You'll see what that is. Which of the following would best show your spouse you love them? Brandy, we'll start with you. A kiss. Would that be true? What about the same for you? Oh, there you go. These guys have the same love language. I like Miss Good. All right. What we got over here, Chanel, what would uh, be the one thing that you would say, hey, this is, this is how you can show love to me? There's so many on that list. I know, just one. You said, you said for him, okay, what would you write down? Okay. All right, what would she say about you? Which is the thing that you would, hold up a second. What would you say for you? Yeah. I love those five. Kiss. <laughs> she said you're messing. I did. I answered it. Handwritten card. Uh, okay, that'll work. That'll work. All right. Kiss with the handwritten card there. All right, Karen, what would you say? Which of the following would best show your spouse you love them? The kiss, would that be true, Jim? Tie for A and E. You guys do not pay attention. <laughs> Pastor, Pastor James T. Kirk, if you don't like the test, change the <laughs> Jim's an attorney, by the way. All right, that's a good job. Now, you got your pen with you and a piece of paper because I got one more question for you. All right, this is bonus. They did not know this was happening. Okay, here's what I need you to write down. Here it is. Bonus question. What is your mother-in-law's middle name? Don't. Yeah, mother-in-law's middle name. Mother-in-law's middle name. Yes. Mother-in-law's middle name. All right. What is his mother-in-law's or his mom's middle name? Sue. All right, Sue. What's hers? Oh, all right. We got first group knew nothing of this. All right. What's Terrence's mom's middle name? Ciola, is that right? Yeah. What about her? Ann. Ann. Good, good job. All right, good job. Somebody in the first group said, isn't every mother-in-law's middle name Ann? So I don't know if that's true. <laughs> All right, what's Jim's mother's middle name? Uh, she didn't have one, so she had her maiden name, which was Oliver. Oliver, is that right? All right. All right, what is, your, what is her mom's middle name? She doesn't have one. Is that true? She never had one. Is that true? So None. Oh, maiden name, Van Zandt. All right, good job. You guys are, yeah, that's actually very impressive. You guys did great. Can we hear it for our crew up here this morning? Thank you, guys. Thank you. No, you don't win anything. Yeah, you can keep them. You can just give them to me later. No prizes in this group, sorry. Cutbacks, cutbacks. <laughs> 
Hey, if you got a Bible, you can turn to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, we'll put it up on the screens or you can open up your notes part on your um, app and follow along. Here's what it says. Genesis 2, 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds and the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was his name. So the man gave names to all livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. God creates everything. And on the next to last day, he creates Adam. And he gives Adam a job. He says, Adam, here's your job. You're a zookeeper. That's going to be your first job. So you've got to take care of all these animals. And so that's what Adam does. He's taking care of the animals. He's giving them names. But then Adam starts to look around, and God starts to look around, and there's something that they notice. Giraffes, they got giraffe buddies. The horses have horse buddies. Tarantulas have tarantula buddies. What's Adam have? He's got nothing. Nobody. You know, in that garden, Adam is alone. Look at verse 21. So the Lord God caused man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, it's very poetic, it's probably not what us guys would have said, but here's what he said. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Look at this last two verses. Verse 24, that is why a man leaves his father and his mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Verse 24 there, you've probably heard used in a wedding quite frequently. That is why a man leaves his father and his mother and is united to his wife. And I want to, I want to focus on a word in there. It's the word united. The Hebrew word there is this word devak. And here's what that word means. Now, when we think about that word united, we kind of think about union, this marriage, this kind of this connection. It actually goes a whole lot deeper than embrace or to cleave. If you look it up, it means to pursue closely. Pursue closely. Let's go back and read that again. That is why a man leaves his father and his mother and pursues closely his wife. It's very different, isn't it? How many of us pursue closely our spouse? Now think about that word pursue for a moment. That word pursue is an action word. It's an action. But here's the problem. Many times in marriage, I will judge you based on your actions and what you do. But how do I judge myself? I judge myself based on my intentions, right? I meant to do this. And so there's a difference between intentions and actions. And we get those confused within our relationships within our marriage. I meant to do that for you. I was going to do that, but that doesn't mean a whole lot. It's all about the actions that we take, pursuing our spouse, our actions that we take. And this morning, I want to give you three things, three actions that you and I can take if you're married to help you in your marriage. If you're not married, you can write these things down. You can remember these things and put them into practice when you do get married. But these three actions I want to share with you this morning... I get these out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're going to get there in a second. Um, let me give you a little background about this particular book or letter. A guy named Paul, he's a pastor, he's a church planner, he goes to these different cities in the Middle East and in parts of Europe, and he, he starts these churches by meeting people. 
starts to hang out with them. He tells them about Jesus. They become followers of Christ. They get baptized, and this church begins. There's this community, and he puts it together, and he starts teaching some of these people how to lead in that church. And then he says, after a couple years, I'm out of here. I'm going to go plant another church somewhere else. And so he leaves them there. But he says, I'm going to check up on you. I'm going to see how things are going. And so he gets information back from people who have been to those churches or heard from people in those churches. And what he'll do is he'll write these letters. There wasn't email. There wasn't, you know, some way that he could text message or do Google Hangout with the church leaders there. He would write letters back to them. And he would tell them, he'd say, hey, you're doing some great things. Or, hey, there's some really weird stuff going on in your church. You've got to change this. But he would do whatever he could to encourage those churches. And we find that at Thessalonians. He planted a church in a place called Thessalonica, and he writes these two letters, at least that we have, in 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. He writes to this church, and he says, you guys are doing some really good stuff. There's some stuff you need to tweak, but you're doing some good stuff. And I love what he says here in 1 Thessalonians 5.11. He says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. I want to focus on those two words there, encouraging and building. Because I think they are very integral to marriage. You know, Paul is being very specific to the church community. He's saying, continue to encourage each other. Continue to build each other up. And I would say, if this is important enough for us to do within the church setting, how important is it for us to do it within our marriages? And maybe, maybe it's even more important. Three actions I want to leave with you this morning. Here you go. First one is this. And these are simple. Again, you're going to think, why didn't I think of this myself? When you think something good about your spouse, say it. When you think something good about your spouse, say it every single time. Okay? Here's why. 77% of what you and I think is negative. Some of you are sitting there right now, you're like, I don't think negatively. You're thinking negative right now when you're thinking that you're not negative. You're being negative, okay? You're like, all right, 2%. 77% of what you and I think about is negative. Think about that. Isn't that true? Here's another number for you. And um, I've been sharing a number that's way, way off. Here's the deal. By the time you're 18 years old, if you grew up in a normal home, which I know some of us didn't, but if you grew up in a normal home, by the time you're 18 years old, you will have heard the word no 148,000 times. We're kind of taught, and it's sort of downloaded into our system to be negative, isn't it? So think about it. When you're going to work, what are you thinking? Are you thinking happy thoughts? I can't wait to get to work. It's going to be great today. I'm looking forward to this commute. It's going to be so much fun. No. <laughs> you're thinking this is going to be miserable. I don't want to go to work. I hate this. I hate the job. I hate the people I work with. And you think the same thing at home. I don't like my kids today. I don't like the way they left the room. I don't like my spouse. I don't like this. I don't like the way the house looks. I don't like the way the yard. I mean, we tend to think negatively, don't we? What happens if we were to change that? What if in our minds we began to think positive thoughts? In fact, when it came to our relationship, when it came to our marriage, what if we began to encourage our spouse? Because what do we tend to do? We get on to our spouse. Why didn't you do this? I told you to do that. And we nag each other and we get mad at each other and we tell them terrible things. Why? Because I think part of it is we're just, we just have this system that's been downloading us that says think negative, be negative. Paul says, encourage one another, which means in our marriages, are we encouraging each other with positive words? And it doesn't have to be something crazy. How many times do you tell your spouse, thank you? You ever thought about how encouraging that is? Thank you for taking care of the kids so I could go out. 
Thank you for cooking dinner. Thank you for mowing the yard. Thank you for putting the toilet lid seat down. I really appreciate that. Like, it's simple stuff. Small things can make a big difference. And the words that we use, especially encouraging words, they can go so far within our marriage relationship. So do whatever it takes. Encourage your spouse. An email, a text message, uh, face-to-face is great, a note, whatever it is. But take time to encourage your spouse. It can make a difference in your marriage. You're pursuing your spouse when you encourage your spouse. Secondly, Paul talks about this word build there. And I think actions when I think about that. So if you think about doing something special for your spouse, do it. Don't just think about it and let it go. Actually, do it. Make it happen. Again, small things make a big difference. A few years back, I was working out of my uh, home office, and there was a packet of Post-it notes sitting on my desk there. And I looked at them for a little bit. I'm like, hey, they've been sitting there by themselves for a while. Maybe I'll use those. And I'm not a very romantic person. My wife can tell you. I try to do some romantic things, and they just, she just laughs at me. So that tells you a whole lot. Um, and so there's these Post-it notes there. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going gonna, gonna to write some things down on those. So I wrote down, I love the way your hair looks. I know that sounds dumb. Okay, So I write that down. But I took that Post-it note, and I put it where a hair dryer was. And I said, hey, I love you. You're beautiful. And I took that, and I put it on the mirror. So when she walked into the bathroom that day, she saw herself, and she saw that Post-it note for me. I wrote down, hey, I love the way you cook, and I put that where the pots and pans were. Yeah, I'm not romantic. This is dumb, but I did this anyway. And I wrote, you know, hey, I love the way you drool when you sleep, and I put it on her pillow so she could. <laughs> I actually didn't put the drool piece because I didn't think that would be very nice. I thought about it, but I didn't do that. So for about the next week, I had about 15 or 20 of these all throughout the house, and, and here's how it works in our house. She would find them, and all of a sudden she'd just start laughing, okay? It wasn't like, oh, that's so sweet. It was just, she would just start laughing, and we laugh about that stuff because it's just kind of the way that we function in our marriage. Um, but she's laughing. She's like, hey, thanks for that one. Thanks for that one. But it was really small, and it wasn't very romantic. But guys, here's the deal. I will sell that to you today for $19.95, okay? <laughs> $35 tomorrow is cheaper today. So if you want that idea, come find me, and I will, I will help you decide where to put those. But anyway, um, those small things we do make a big difference. When you think about doing something for your spouse, do it. Act on it. Don't, don't wait. And it doesn't have to be jewelry. It doesn't have to be a trip to some Caribbean island. It doesn't have to be the most fancy restaurant. It could just be something small that we do that shows our spouse we love them. And in that, we're building them up. We're building them up. Now, there's something else that um, my wife Karen and I learned in our marriage that has been huge. We've been married for almost 18 years now. And uh, I, we tell people this all the time. Our first year of marriage was terrible. I mean, it was, it was just tough. We were... We were in a different place. We lived in New Jersey. We weren't around family. Um, we had some baggage. Both of us did some things that we were just trying to work through. And it was really a hard year for us. Some other things that happened in our marriage. And it was really hard on us. And so we worked through that in healthy ways. But, but in that process, we were still trying to figure out how do we love each other best. So somebody gave us a book. And it's called The Five Love Languages. Anybody ever taken the test, The Five Love Languages book? And let me just tell you one thing. This was a game changer in our marriage, and I, I mean that. You can ask my wife, Kara. It was a game changer for us. But here's what we learned. I learned that my wife likes it when I do laundry. I know that my wife feels loved when I help put the kids to bed or when I cook dinner or clean up from dinner or I vacuum. I hate doing that stuff, all right? But I know that my wife feels loved when I do that, these acts of service. Here's what she knows about me. I love physical touch from her. 
I love it when she puts her hands on my shoulder. I love when she gives me a kiss. I love when she gives me a hug. I love when she, well, we won't go there. I just want to talk about that. Right uh, but I do. I mean, I, that's how my wife shows me that she loves me. And I've learned what that is for her. Honestly, it changed our marriage when we figured out what our love language was. You know what we do now? We try to live that out every single day. I know I need to go do laundry. She knows I need a kiss. I mean, this has just been a way to strengthen our marriage and make it healthier. If you're married and you have not done this, you can go to the fivelovelanguages.com. Dr. Gary Chapman is the guy who wrote this book. And, uh, and do this. You can take the test online. Uh, you can buy the book. It's less than 10 bucks, I think, on Amazon. You can get it. You can read that. You can figure out what your spouse's love language is. Man, it'll, it'll do amazing wonders for your marriage if you take the time to do that. And he's, he's figured out how to make a lot of money on this. So there's one for singles. Uh, there's one for teenagers, one for parents. They even have one. I just saw last week. There's one for military families and military. So if you're in the military, you can, I haven't read it, but I assume it's going to be great because he wrote it. But it's just a great way to understand what you can do for your spouse to show them that you love them. And this book is one of the great ways that you can do that. Maybe you ask yourself that question, how can I show my spouse love? And whatever comes to mind, do it. You know, pursuing your spouse is about encouraging them. And it's about building them up. But I think there's also one more thing that's important here. And it's if you want something different in your marriage, maybe you need to start with yourself. If you want something different in your marriage, maybe the place to start is yourself. Here's what we like to do, because we're negative thinkers. We complain. Who do we complain to? Our friends, our family, the coworker, the person sitting on the train beside us that we don't even know. We complain about our spouse. Hey, let me tell you what they're not doing. I can't believe she won't do that anymore, and he won't do this, and this is what I've been telling them. This is what we do. We complain about our spouse. And we wonder, we tell these people, we ask these individuals, why won't they change? Why can't they change? Maybe the question needs to be turned towards us. Am I the one who needs to begin to change? And a great beginning point here is, am I pursuing Christ in my life? It goes back to last week. Am I pursuing Jesus? Is Jesus a priority in my life because if we can answer that question and be truthful about it, I think we'll find a lot of times we're selfish and we're more worried about ourselves and we're thinking about ourselves and, the, and then we are about the person that we're married to and that pursuit that is there. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 Paul writes this too he says do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's what culture says when we go to somebody and we complain to them about our spouse, you know what culture tells us to do? We get out. Run away. There's somebody better out there for you. You can do so much better than the person you're married to. And this isn't just friends. These are family members. Get out of this relationship. Start over. You deserve this. Here's what God says. No. God says when we do that, we're conforming to the world. We're conforming to what culture says is okay. God says, no, let me change you. Let me transform you. And in fact, that word transform right there is the word metamorphosis. Maybe you and I need to be metamorphosized. I don't even know if that's a word, but metamorphosized by God. Because we pursue Christ first. And we need to let God change us into being who he's created us to be. And to have in our marriages be what God intended them to be. So that we can pursue closely 
our spouse. We want to blame our spouse. We want to say negative things and complain about our spouse, but maybe the change that needs to happen is right inside you and me. You want a healthy marriage? Pursue Christ first. I don't know how many times um, Karen and I in the process of our, our marriage have had the opportunity to work with couples that people have come to us and like, hey, we're done. We're finished. And you know what they tell us? Everybody else says, I need to get out. Everybody else says, I just need to leave him or leave her. And we've said, why don't you just take a few moments and a few days, maybe a few weeks. Why don't you, why don't you change who you are? Why don't you focus on Jesus for a little bit? Why don't you pursue your spouse a little bit? See what happens. And almost every single time, that marriage has been transformed by God into a healthy place. And they're married, and they're still married. And it's funny. They're around each other now, and they love each other, and they're smiling, and they're happy. And before they weren't, because they allowed God to change and transform them. Maybe God needs to do the same thing for you. If you want your marriage to be different, change who you are. And encourage your spouse, and build your spouse up. And God will do amazing things through that. You know, I want people to look at my wife and I and our marriage and I want them to say, you know, how are you guys so healthy? How do you have such a healthy marriage? I want our kids to look at us and say, you guys were gross, but, um, but we knew you loved each other. I want Kara to look at me every single day and say, I did well. And I know I wake up every morning and I see her and I say, I definitely outkicked my coverage. <laughs> but I don't want that just for my marriage. I honestly, I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart, I want it for your marriage too. And I know some of you in here, your marriage is great. They're wonderful. They're not perfect, but you're doing well. I know there are other marriages in here, man, you are struggling. Maybe you woke up this morning, you looked at the person in the bed beside you, and you're like, I don't know if I love you anymore. Well, today is the opportunity for you to start brand new, to change who you are by focusing and pursuing Christ, and then encouraging and building up your spouse. I promise you, if you start doing that today, it has the potential to save your marriage give it a try do it for a few months see what happens and see what god can do to change and transform you as he changes and transforms your marriage again make this vow to pursue your spouse and begin to do that today uh, this morning as we come together towards the end of our service we take communion as a church body as a church community and this is what this pursuit is all about God loved us enough that he pursued us with his son, Jesus. And he sent Jesus to this earth to teach us how to live, to love us, to die, to come back to life, to give us hope for now and for all eternity. God pursues you and I. And today we get to say thank you to God for that pursuit. And maybe, again, for you today, this is the moment you start to pursue God. As we take communion together, you're pursuing God and you're pursuing Christ. And this may be a reminder to you. And we're going to invite you here in just a moment as the band leads us in a song, as we sing with them. Uh, we're going to invite you to come and to grab a piece of the bread and the juice and to take it back to your seats. You can go to the back. We've got a couple of stations too. But as you do that this morning, wherever you are in your relationships, whether you're just, you're just thinking about marriage, your marriage is wonderful, or your marriage is just struggling, are you pursuing Christ? Are you pursuing your spouse, your spouse-to-be? Maybe now is a starting point for that.